Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. All right. Listen, I want you to take your Bibles real quickly and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. I had every intention of taking Wednesday nights and talking about the book of Nehemiah, but the Lord just keeps bringing things out and, and showing me things, and I'm going to be redundant today a little bit because I, I feel the importance of uh, sharing this. I believe, I believe that we're in a time where God wants to do uh, unique things in people's lives. And there's, there's a path that we're going to stay on for a long time in the church. Uh, and, and it's a path that I believe that God is, is working and moving in, in the lives and wants to do some things in our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder... I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word. You can be seated uh, if you want to, if you can. I want you to notice uh, two words there in this passage that we just read. Uh, the first one is grace. The Apostle Paul said, according to the grace of God given to me. According to the grace of God given to me. That word grace uh, has many, it's, it's very broad in its meaning. But I want to draw it down to one thing this morning. That grace is God's divine influence in your life. All right, if you're taking notes, that's a good thing to write down. If you're not taking notes, hopefully you can remember it. Grace is God's divine influence. Paul said this, according to the grace of God or according to the divine influence of God given to me, like a skilled master builder. The second word that I want you to notice is the word master builder. Uh, it's one word, master builder. That master builder uh, simply means architect. It comes from the Greek word uh, architectos. It is, it, is the, it is a word that means architecture, one that has designed and one that builds. Paul said, the divine influence of God on my life has enabled me to build like a skilled master builder. Listen, there are those that are here this morning that, that you sit here and there are situations and things that you are dealing with in your life and you don't see your ability to do anything about it. To bring it down to where you can really get the, the gist of what I'm saying. If there, there are a few of you in here this morning that you might consider yourself a carpenter. Some of y'all probably think you're a carpenter, but your wife said you're not. Okay? All right? But you might think that you're a carpenter, and some of you, uh, no doubt, are good carpenters. 
just, just bear with me. If you're a carpenter, just bear with me. I'm proud for you, and I'm, I'm proud that, that we, we've got that gift here. But if I were to come to 97% of this congregation this morning, and I was to throw a plant, a building plan down in front of you, and I were to tell you, I want you to build this building for me. You would look at me and say, Pastor, your wants won't hurt you. I cannot do what you're asking me to do because I am not a carpenter. In the book of Nehemiah that we've been studying and talking about for several weeks, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. That meant that all that Nehemiah did on a daily basis was go to a, a, a barrel of, of uh, grape juice, uh, and, and draw some out in a cup, take it to the king, and when he'd get to, to the king, he would take a sip, and if he didn't die, he would give it to the king because the cupbearer's responsibility was to taste test everything before the king did to make sure that nobody uh, had uh, was trying to poison the king or do harm to the king. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. But I want you to catch something this morning. Is this, that the Bible says there was a day that Nehemiah, and, and listen, the point that I'm trying to make, guys, is you cannot, you cannot look at where you are right now and let that be the deciding factor of where you will be tomorrow. You cannot look at what situation you are in right now and let that determine the rest of your life. Where I am now is no indication of where I'm going. I Listen, where I am right now is just a point that I am passing through, but it is not where I am going to stay. I am not going, listen, look at me good today because when you see me tomorrow, you might not recognize me because I am not planning on staying where I am right now. You need to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't even look like right now where I've been. Because if I looked like where I've been, you wouldn't even want to give me a second glance. But because of the grace, the divine influence of an almighty God on my life, I don't look like what I've been through. As a matter of fact, I don't feel like what I've been through because the influence of God over my life has caused me to triumph in those situations. Now listen, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. But there was a day the Bible says that Nehemiah was, was cup-bearing to the king that a man named Hananiah came in. And Nehemiah looked at him and said, hey, dude, uh, what's going on in Jerusalem? You see, Nehemiah was a captive. He was a slave uh, where he was. And, and, and Hananiah came by, and Nehemiah stopped and said, hey, dude, I'm I just kind of curious. What's going on back home in Jerusalem? Don't get nervous. I ain't going to come set with you or nothing like that. 
just want to get down here where you are. I want to see your eyeballs. The Bible says that, that when Nehemiah asked this question that Hanani said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, it is a mess back in Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. The gates thereof have been burned with fire. The people are in great distress, and everything is in a mess at Jerusalem. And when Nehemiah heard those words, the Bible says that he sat down. I believe what happened was that when he heard those words, it took the breath out of him. The Bible says that he sat down and the second thing that he did is that he began to weep. He began to weep and cry because of what he had just heard. The third thing that Nehemiah did is the Bible says that Nehemiah mourned for days. He mourned for days the fourth thing that he did is that Nehemiah began to fast. Listen, if you spent the past 21 days without food, going without food and just drinking water, and you sit here this morning and you don't see the fact that God is working already in your situation, then all you did the past 21 days is go hungry. But if you uh, fasted over the past few days, ever how you did it, ever how God showed you to do it, and you believe that that fast wasn't a fast to change God's mind, but it was a fast to get you in alignment with what God was wanting to do in your life, then, friend, you have already got the victory because once God gets you in a place where you are in line with his divine purpose, his divine influence will begin to come and move over your life, and the situations that you've been dealing with will begin to melt away in his presence. The fifth thing that Nehemiah did is that Nehemiah began to pray. And I'm going to move real quickly. Listen, because we are humans and because of our humanity, God cannot deal with us on the mountaintop. In other words, when everything is going good in my life, when everybody is patting me on the back and everybody is loving me, when everybody's looking at me and say, oh, what a good person you are, uh, and my bank account has plenty in it, and everything is fine when my health is good and all that, it seems like because of our humanity, we kind of put God on the back burner. But when God wants to do something special in our lives, Catch this, this is not popular in 2020, but catch this because it is truth. Listen, when God wants to do something special in our lives, then friend, it seems like that God has to get us to a place of where we will sit down. And when we sit down, he says, now I want you, I want to do something. And we begin to weep, we begin to pray, we begin to pray. In other words, God has to break me down before he can build something in me. I want to read that in James chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says that God, that he giveth more grace. Wherefore he says, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil. 
and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Y'all leave today and say, Pastor, call me a sinner. Just reading what the Bible said. It hurt my feelings when I read it too. He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, that's the key. He said, God has to get us with a mind that's not double. That word double means a mind that has two ways of thinking. And God wants to get us to the place to where we're single-minded. We're single-focused. He said, cleanse your hands, your hearts, uh, uh, your double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Listen, I believe this morning that God is wanting to speak a word to us today that says it is time to rise and build. It is time to rise up and build. Quit looking at yourself. What I was going to say a while ago that I got on a rabbit trail, but I want to say it now. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer, but he heard this word from Hanani. It so moved him. It so moved him. Can I tell you something this morning? And I said this Wednesday night. You will never rebuild what you are not willing to weep over. You will never see God do what he wants to do in your life, in your family, in your situation, until you get to the place to where it has broken you and you release it to God. Nehemiah was broken because of what he heard. Now, here's the thing that I want you to get, and I'm going to try to close. I didn't even leave the runway, so you ain't got to worry about it. I ain't got to land or anything because I ain't even left the runway yet. But here's the thing that I want you to get, guys, and I want you to let this get in your spirit. And I'm going to say it again. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. There is no history. There are no scriptures anywhere in the Bible that lets us know anything else about Nehemiah other than the fact that he was, he was a, uh, brought from Jerusalem as a captive and, and he wound up in the palace of the king as a cupbearer. But let me tell you something. The Bible says that when Nehemiah began to pray and cry before God, God gave him a burden for the walls of Jerusalem. Hear me. The Bible says that God began to work in Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah stepped out of the cupbearing and stepped in to being the chief design and architect man for the rebuilding of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. You didn't get that. You didn't catch that. <clears throat> you didn't catch what I'm saying. So I want to rephrase it. 
Some of you are sitting there today and you're seeing yourself simply as a cupbearer. You're seeing yourself doing some little menial thing and you've got situations around you that, that you have wept and cried over but you don't see yourself coming out of that situation. You don't, you don't feel like that you've got the ability, the knowledge, the wisdom or whatever to come out of that situation. But listen, when you begin to weep and cry before God, there's something that will take place in the spirit spiritual realm that God can take somebody. Listen, I have seen with my eyes and heard with my ears a man that had no education, that never learned to read and never learned to write. And I saw this man that God came into his life. He was a drunk and God came in, set him free from alcoholism. The only way that he could uh, uh, sign a paper was to put an X on it. He didn't know how to read nor right and I saw this man God changed his life redeemed him broke the power of addiction from over his life and I watched that man stand in a pulpit and could quote the word of God verbatim he could quote it out and spit it out he could read the word of God why because when God gets ready to do something it is not dependent upon your education it is not dependent upon your PH degree or anything like that because when God sees a mountain, all he looks for in a man is somebody that is willing to say, I believe that you can move that mountain. And if I believe it, God, I'm trusting in you that the anointing will be on my life to see it done. And what God is saying today in 2020 is I've seen a mountain. I've seen some walls that need to be rebuilt. I've seen some gates that need to be reestablished. And I'm looking at people that are are saying I cannot do it I don't have the ability but what God is saying today is quit looking at yourself in the mirror and judging yourself by the color of your hair or the education level that you've got and recognize that there's a God on the inside of you with whom nothing is impossible Stand. Go ahead and stand with me. Because if y'all if y'all keep clapping and all that, I'm gonna leave the airport and I'm gonna start flying. <laughs> I want to give you some real quick things and I'm gonna I'm gonna close. There's a passage of scripture. In Nehemiah chapter 3. And we, Wednesday night, we talked about the stages of the book of Nehemiah. The first stage was a prayer stage where Nehemiah spent time praying. The second stage, excuse me, the second stage in the book of Nehemiah is the stage of building. And that's where Nehemiah began the process of, of rebuilding the walls. That's where we are today. But I want to share something with you uh, out of the book of Nehemiah chapter 3. Because out of all the chapters in the book of Nehemiah, 
chapter 3 is probably the least read and the least noticed of that entire book. The reason being was, is that in Nehemiah chapter 3, he lists all the names that are impossible for us to pronounce. All right? He, he, he lists these names that, that uh, uh, Elishib. He, he talks about Hananiel, uh, Asana. And, and he goes on down, Hattush, Harim, Halloish. And that's the reason that y'all probably never even read Nehemiah chapter 3. All right? All right? Because of all these names there. But I want to give you something that Holy Spirit showed me in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3, and I promise I'm going to close. Listen, in Nehemiah chapter 3, 28 times these words are mentioned. After him, next to them, and after them. 28 times those phrases are mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3. What that's saying is this, that as they begin to rebuild the wall, the corporate body was together. Everybody was doing what they could do. And it said this. It would be like if we uh, were to start here on this front row. Uh, my beautiful wife, Judy, is here. And after her is Sister Natalie. They're working on the wall. After them is Brother Jack. He's working on the wall. They're not doing, Brother Jack's not doing what Judy and Natalie's doing, but he's working alongside them. After Brother Jack, uh, we've got Sister Rita. She's working on the wall. She ain't doing what Brother Jack's doing because Brother Jack knows how to do what she don't know how to do, but, but what she's doing had to be done in order for the wall to get built and, and then we go on down, and, and we got Sister Sherry's after her. And, and then after them, we got Sister Debbie and Brother, brother uh, uh, Jesse. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm having trouble remembering y'all's names, okay? I don't know who that is working by me, but they working. But you see what I'm saying. What Sister Natalie was doing is just as important as what Brother Jesse was doing. All right? But the thing that you need to see there is they were after them. And then after him. And then after them. They were all working together. And some more words that, that God showed me in that is that eight times in that chapter the word built is mentioned. It means that there was something that had to be created. There was something that had to be put together from scratch. But here's the thing that I want you to get to. Forty times, forty times, we see these words mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3. Repairs, plural. Repairs, 
repaired past tense. That lets me know that there was already a foundation there, but what these people were doing was they was building upon a previous foundation. They were repairing, restoring, and renewing. They were working together. The reason that I wanted to share that with you this morning is that when I use this term after him, after them, or next to them, I want you to understand, guys, 2020 needs to be the year that you commit your family to this family. Yeah. Yeah. Catch this. Listen, you might not go here to church. Wherever you want to commit your family, whatever church you decide, I can tell you this, you're not going to find one better than McCullough Christian Center. Uh, just... I'm the preacher, I can say that, okay? I'm just telling you, all right? But you need an after them, after him, after her, next to them effect in your family. And, and if you come back Wednesday night, we're going to really dig into that, and you're really going to see the impact of that. You need people in your life that will encourage you, that will strengthen you. Some of y'all hang around folks that all they do is pull from you. And your bondage is advantageous to them. They feed off of your bondage. You need to shake those people loose and get with people that are willing to rebuild the wall in your life. All right. So you need to be around people that are like-minded that will encourage you. Amen? Yeah, I, I kind of figured you, somebody was, was, was getting one. God said desperation is going to come in the house. And there's going to be services of weeping. But it's because it's going to be a building. And before God can do that, he's got to tear it down. And so there's going to be services of weeping. But God has spoke that to me through the whole service. That there's going to be a time of desperation. And it's not going to be a bad desperation, but it's going to be a desperation to see who wants what God's got in store. Because the church is fixing to be persecuted. The church is fixing to become against. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as the Lord of my life.
I've never made him my Savior, my Redeemer. But I know that I need to. Would you be bold this morning and just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I've never made him the Lord of my life, but I know that I need to because there's something in me that, that is aching to know him. You just slip your hand up, right back down. I'm going to do this real quickly. I'm going to ask some of you praying ladies, just three or four praying ladies and three or four praying gentlemen, if you will, to come to the front and just stand. Just, just bear with me just a minute. We're going to let you go. I'm not going to hold you long. The reason that I did that is this. Those of you that raised your hand this morning, if you're serious about wanting to know Jesus, these up here, men with men, ladies with ladies, they can let you know, they can lead you into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is I'm going to ask you right now, put feet to that decision and step out from where you are. Make your way down here real quickly. I want you to go ahead and begin to clap because I'm believing today that there are people that are going to come. So go ahead right now. I'm just believing. <clears throat> there are those that, that you raised your hand this morning. This is your opportunity. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people say about me. I'm just going to step out this morning, and I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on and clap, clap, clap. Clap, clap, clap. Amen. Amen. Come on, clap, clap, clap. Because I guarantee you in heaven, the angels are doing back backflips right about now because somebody made a decision to turn their back on the world and to follow Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The walls in your life, the things that the enemy has destroyed, the things that the enemy has messed up in your life, they can be rebuilt. You can rebuild. You might say, Pastor, I've lost my family. I've lost my husband. I've lost my wife. I've lost my children. No. God never seen anything that he could not redeem. So I want you to understand that this morning. The key is the desperation that when you're willing to submit your way itself to God and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you today, Father, God, for your grace, your divine influence over our lives. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. And God, I thank you for the word this morning. So, Father, I'm just asking this morning, let that word penetrate.
to the very core of who we are. Lord, let your word penetrate, God, through all of our facades and all of our makeup and all of those things. And Lord, let it get down to where we are and who we are, Father. In the name of Jesus, change us and we will be changed forever. We honor you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.